0: Welcome to the School of Unlearning. I'm your host, Elisa Haggerty. I've always believed in the power of questions. They create a gap, a space where we pause and begin to challenge the world around us. Without questions, we're stuck in the trance of life, a life given to us, verse one created with agency. Your journey to rethink and unlearn the norms no longer serving you begins now. everyone. Welcome back to the School of Unlearning podcast. Today, we're sitting down with Sarah McLaughlin, who is a holistic nutritionist, health writer, and entrepreneur. She's based in Richmond, Virginia, and for years, she's been running her own health company um, as a coach and more recently as an entrepreneur. In January of 2019, she published her first cookbook and later launched her first natural foods company alongside her husband, Alex. This company is called Gratified, and it's fueled by their desire to make more of an impactful change in the packaged food space. Gratified is founded on a mission that there can be a world where nutrition and convenience coexist. In June 2020, Sarah created her online magazine, Healthified, and subsequently launched her own podcast, The Healthified Podcast, as platforms to share and educate across holistic health topics. This podcast for me is a really sweet catch up between friends and also a deep dive into how Sarah has used the launching of her natural foods company and motherhood as a means to be more fully awakened into herself and discover what her mind and body needs each and every day. This episode is also insightful. It's full of mic drop moments where Sarah kind of lets her hair down, she riffs, and she talks about what pisses her off about the health food community. And it's really a conversation between two women who have, for the last 12 years, been hell bent on changing the narrative of what health can look and feel like. Enjoy this episode, my friends. And if you want to try the world's best granola and energy bars, I recommend checking them out at gratified.com. Sarah, welcome to the School of Unlearning. Hi, Elisa. It is so great
1: to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited. I was uh, telling some friends yesterday that you were going to be on the podcast and I said, you know, we met years ago through the world of like health and wellness and coaching mm-hmm. and everything. And I, I said, you know, she started a, um, a food company, uh, you know, where, where convenience meets healthy food, gratified. Yeah and your bars I've tried. And I said to my friends, I said, there's a lot of bars out there. I said, but this is, these are the real deal, like in terms of flavor texture and like macronutrients. So shout out to the products you've created. And we'll talk more about how you got into that. But, um, that's, that's how I introduced you to my friends. I'm like, you don't understand. like,
1: (laughs) that's amazing. And so powerful coming from you, because honestly, I know I've told you this before, but you had made me like the most of an ingredients detective of anyone, and so um, I know I'll probably talk more about this, but I really don't think I would be where I am if it wasn't for you. So you had a very, you've had a very big influence on my path.
0: Cool, that's so amazing to hear. And, and same, I've been so inspired to see you kind of like traverse all the different landscapes you have. And we were talking earlier, and for all of our guests here, you know. Um, I've done an intro about you in the beginning segment of this podcast, but I just feel like you've lived, you're like a cat with many lives. You've lived mm. many different lives. You've traversed many different landscapes, um, like classroom teacher, you know, working for, for health companies and, and actually starting your own in your own podcast. And, and um, yeah, so I, I'd love to just hear um, a little bit about some of your core influences when you were growing up. I always find that where we are now is always because of who influenced us and who helped us get to be where we are. So maybe, um, yeah, let let the audience kind of know, like who are some of the core people who influenced your sense of direction around health and maybe even just sort of this sense of entrepreneurship as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because what immediately comes to mind is probably the exact opposite of an answer that people might expect because I feel as if my influencers growing up had that impact on me from the opposite perspective. Meaning I got very passionate about health because of the way that I was raised in the standard American diet, like health and nutrition was not part of my upbringing at all whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't know what an entrepreneur was until after college. And I never would have had the courage to actually be one if it wasn't for, um, well, a, you kind of. Paving that way, showing the example of like a health coach making their way, being an entrepreneur, but also my husband um, and I didn't, you know, start dating him until I was twenty nine. So there was really, um, you know, no one from my childhood because I remember and this is a funny story and it, it makes me think about you a lot, and I think about this often because. I remember when I wanted to quit my office job and try and make it as a health coach, build my own business. And I told my mom that, you know, I was probably like 26, 27 at the time. Um, And her response was, what do you mean? She was like, build your own business. What does that even entail? Like you would have to go get clients. Like you don't want to do that. You need health insurance. You know, it, it was one of those things where I think about that and it was such a, It's a standout moment in my life because it kind of um, shows the juxtaposition because if she had said that to me now, I would have, I have more of a voice to be like very determined in what I want and to go after what I want and to follow my heart, my intuition back then she instilled fear and it got very deeply lodged until I had to kind of, um, untangle that so to speak. Mm Um, And so it has been just a process really, um, in my late twenties and early thirties to really have the courage to be where I am and to follow my dreams, so to speak. Um, because with my upbringing, it was very traditional. My parents were older. Um, you know, they were actually retired my whole life. And so I didn't get a good glimpse into what it meant to work hard. Um, to work hard for me was to get good grades in school and to kind of like pick up those shiny pennies, so to speak, and those accolades and that praise by doing like things like that. Um, And so, you know, excelling in sports and excelling in school. And, you know, thank goodness I did learn, I think, intrinsic motivation, um, which is ironic because now that I say that out loud, I'm like, well, it was very I I was seeking that external validation, but it was almost something that if I didn't seek it, I would have that internal anxiety. So I ended up internalizing that validation to make it intrinsic, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Um, So, I mean, I think, you know, my parents obviously um, were very profound in shaping my work ethic in a sense, but... It took every ounce of me and who I became later in life to really get to where I am.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of people listening probably resonate with that. I mean, I know I do too. I don't think I knew what an entrepreneur was until I became one. And I certainly yeah. think I'd be anything other than a teacher, you know, which is, which is amazing. It's an amazing. Yeah. Career. So I'm curious, like, you know, you have these sort of this world that was very like, um, how, how could you even dare think about being an entrepreneur? You have to go get your own clients and health insurance. And a lot of that is hard for people to mm-hmm. literally unlearn, like that there mm-hmm. is alternate, alternate ways of being in the world. Mm-hmm. I've read a statistic recently on LinkedIn that said like 40% of the workforce are actually freelancers mm. um, of some form. Like they're really just out there, not in a contract with benefits. Wow. yeah. Um, which I think is really interesting. Um, and also, I wonder what that da- data was like 20 years ago too and, and what it might be like too in the future. Right. Um, I'm curious when did you first start to because you didn't grow up on health food and you know in this that world when did you first start to pique your interest in nutrition and, and what you put in your body and how that mattered for you? Absolutely
1: and I'll be completely honest. I would say it started in college you know kind of leaving my mom's kitchen and my school cafeteria and having to kind of like having in my own apartment um, but initially it was, a way for me to avoid that college weight gain. Right. And it was, it was very that archaic way of thinking calories in calories out, move more, Mm -hmm. eat less. Um, so I became cognizant about it. I would say in college in terms of like what I was eating. Um, but nutrition (laughs) itself wasn't until, um, after college when, I started to learn about blood sugar balance because of you Mm -hmm. Um, and going through IIN Institute for Integrative Nutrition and finally connecting what I ate to how I felt both physically and mentally Um, because before it was all about just calories and weight and being thin, quite honest. Um, And then when I went through IIN that health coaching program, um and started to notice really positive changes and especially your program your blood sugar boot camp completely changed my life i mean i remember that was like the first time i learned about inflammatory foods and um a more plant forward way of eating and you know when i got off some of those foods that i was the majority of my diet um, like gluten and dairy, I noticed improvements in my skin. I noticed improvements in my sleep and in my mood. Like it was those things where I had never connected that before. Um, and I just felt like a healthier, happier human. So I just kind of really, um, went down that road of, of learning more. And I still, to this day, try and learn as much as I can. Um, every day, always a student of this, of the subject, but, um, you know, and the way that I eat now is, is not how the way that I ate then. And I think that that can continuously evolve, but um, I would say definitely that time period of health coaching and, and learning from you was, it was definitely profound in starting that, that path.
0: That's so good to hear. Um, and, and plus one to just the way that we eat evolving and changing, and it's not going to look the same. And I still have some, you know, the way that I eat now is still very similar in some ways, like the frameworks that I use and, But like it it changes all the time, and that's kind of nice. I actually think a really good marker of health is resiliency and being able to adapt to new foods. You know, I think that's a good good place to be. You can't always be there. Some years of my life, I couldn't eat certain foods. I would just like puff up. Yeah. Um, But I I think that's kind of a good sense of strength. I think Andrew Nakayama taught us that was resiliency is a good good marker of.
1: Yeah, and you, you know, I think about you often because I remember when I did take your blood sugar boot camp, it was very plant-based. I mean, almost to the point of like veganism. And I think that that's kind of where you were in your life at that point. And then I remember kind of watching your Instagram evolve and stuff and and what you would share and, um, and you incorporating more animal type products into your diet. And Mm -hmm. it's been kind of a model to me to give myself permission to evolve and shift and not stay so rigid with my way of eating. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I talk about this, now I was just telling a friend the other day of incorporating, um, cheese and butter back into my diet. And I'm like, I feel better than I've ever felt, but you yes. know, like yeah. three years and- ago, like butter was a, you know, no, oh. you know, so it's, yeah. it's funny. You kind of learn to laugh at yourself and just be a little bit more fluid.
0: Yeah. I think we're all kind of unlearning the rigidity that we all initially felt when we got into the health field, you know, studying nutrition and and figuring out what's good for the mind and body. So, I, I think that's a, a good sign for anyone listening. And plus one to grass-fed butter, huge fan of it. Um, huge fan. <laughs> huge fan. Almost all my food now is made with some good grass-fed butter. Uh-huh. And for years, I only used coconut oil and for the years. I only use olive oil. I think it's just really good to kind of oscillate through that. Um, now, I know that you work with clients now and you have a company, um, Gratisfied, which I do want to talk about to you yeah. today. Uh, do you find that it's still hard for people, even though there's so much dialogue about the anti adult the anti-diet culture. And there's so much dialogue now about it. Let, there's life beyond calories and there's life beyond the number on the scale, but do you still find that in your practice and work that it's really hard for people to unlearn that and like, let that go still.
1: Absolutely. And I think it depends on where the client is in life. Um, I just finished working with a woman who she's in her forties. Um, and you know, you grow up in the eighties and nineties and that way of thinking that belief system of calories in calories out number on the scale gets very drilled into you and lodged in very deeply. Um, and you know, she took both of my online courses. I have two, I have the beauty of blood sugar balance, which is pretty much nutrition based that metabolic science, um, of blood sugar management. And then I have counting colors, which is more of my, um, more of my like objective, um, or more abstract, I should say, on the food relationship side of things. And one of her goals was to not weigh herself every day. Mm-hmm. And every single time we would have a check-in call, she'd be like, I don't know why I do it. And she was like, I, I know that I want to stop weighing myself every day, but it's it's literally something that like I go on autopilot. And I was, mm-hmm. you know, I had to talk to her about the power of habit, A, for one. Mm-hmm. But then we kind of just talked about like what that represents like it was as if she was using the scale um to kind of dictate whether that she could you know give herself a pat on the back that morning right Mm -hmm. like if it was lower she would be really proud of herself if it had gone higher it would literally give her brain something to kind of wrap its head around no pun intended and kind of like set that to do for the day of like, oh, I need to move through my day with this intention of getting that number lower. And, and I think that, um, you know, women who are younger, it's a little bit easier to, um, you know, there's the movements of, of self-love and body positivity. And it's just something that, um, I think as a society younger generations are unlearning together
0: mm-hmm. whereas
1: they didn't necessarily um, I mean that belief system of the number on the scale and calories it's still there it still exists no matter what age but I just think it's a little bit harder to unlearn for older women
0: yeah I find that to be pretty true um, and it's also very hard because I think too like we we now through different mediums and you know research and um, uh, courses out there, we have a lot of access to, to education that helps us not just like challenge the construct of calories in calories out, but we start mm-hmm. to actually like, it starts to make sense once you understand the physiology and you understand the way that the thyroid works and the body yeah. works. Oh, it actually isn't that that easy. Right. And I think that's, um, you know, if you don't have access to that, or you're not like interested in learning a bit more about the physiology to help you like really unlearn that construct, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. It's, it's harder to do, but I do find it's, it's very, very hard. And I guess like, even for me sometimes when I'm, I don't think about calories, but I do think about like, am I snacking every two hours? You know, things right. like that. Those are things I kind of come up against. And I'm like, what am I, what am I doing here? I'm mindless here. Or like, can I, can I rein it in and just be more mindful? But so I can see the power and the allure of restricting. And I can understand that. Um, it just, it doesn't really work for very long and it, it doesn't do what we want it to do. So.
1: Yeah. And I think kind of what I found in my practice is when people hold on to that mindset of, you know, kind of the eat less, move more, um, and the calorie mindset, it gives them something tangible to hold on to. And it's a lot easier to increase exercise than it is to shift eating patterns. I think a lot of people have a very, um, I would say the majority of people have an emotional, everyone has a relationship with food, but I think that for a lot of people, it can be a very emotional relationship with food mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of surface level speaking, like it can be a very nostalgic thing that roots us back into childhood. Um, and then it can be something, it can be a numbing agent for a lot of people. And so to make changes in that arena is a little bit more challenging than to just say, okay, I'm going to run four days a week and just eat a little less or, Eat more packaged food so that you know exactly how many calories are in it. Um, but when the root cause isn't addressed, that relationship with food, then what I've seen is that the change is not likely to be as sustainable.
0: Yeah. Speaking of, you know, being a health coach, nutritionist, what are the things that kind of light you up and piss you off these days about the food world, the oh. culinary world? <laughs> what makes you just like want to get a microphone and be like, everybody stop and listen uh,
1: Uh, Yeah. I, um, you know, I think when I was just health coaching, um, I'm very passionate about helping people on the food relationship side of things. Um, Mm -hmm. I think something that was very frustrating for me when I was coaching and very draining for me was that black and white approach to food. People would come in and they would want meal plans. They would want me to tell them when to eat, how much to eat, um, you know, really hold their hands in that way. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's not like it would like anger me, but it would, it, I, as a coach, um, felt very called to help people kind of address more of the, the food relationship side of things um, and more of the abstract. And I think that when there is a history of dieting, there is that Mm -hmm. to be addressed. Um, And, you know, and that's not to say that I I wasn't also very frustrated with our food environment and our food culture, as we know it. Um, I think if that frustration wasn't there, then I wouldn't have started a natural foods company But being in this world, it's very humbling because, I mean, I get it. Like, I can understand that when you start a natural foods product, you have to take into account shelf life um, Mm. and cost. And because I have tried to stay so adhered to my ideals and values in this industry, it's almost cost me my company because- Mm. I use very expensive ingredients and my product method was, we were making everything by hand, you know, not in a factory and machines like it's typically done. And, um, you know, quite frankly, everything almost kind of burned to the ground. And um, I found myself one time asking like, why can't I just care less? right? Like, why can't I just throw in this ingredient that I know is going to extend that shelf life. And I really had to take a step back and just say, no, wait a minute. Your judgment is being very clouded right now because you were under pressure and you are very stressed. You might not be able to see the solution in the way that it needs to be made at this very moment. So when that's happening to me, I really just have to slow down and pause and just kind of like wait for the inspiration to come without banging my head against the wall but you know even just being in the grocery store the other day and wanting to buy a convenient breakfast option for my child and looking at every single yogurt pouch there was on the shelves i couldn't find one without cane sugar not one and i have been like literally blending plain yogurt with real fruit and like peanut butter and putting them into this like pouch machine myself and people hear that might be like whoa that's drastic Um, and yes, there are times where like, you know, the other day he ate some chicken fingers and French fries. And my friends looked at me like, oh my gosh, can he have this? And I was like, absolutely. Like he's already dealing with picky eating. Like if he wants to put a grilled, a fried chicken finger into his mouth, by all means have at it, but like something that I feed him every single day and as conscious as I am about the sugar in our food, like that frustrates me. It's not that hard, right? Like it's not that hard to just make something without cane sugar. And, um, and when I see that, I know that it's those companies way of putting something just a little bit addicting into their food so that the customers keep coming back. Like that to me is just like, that needs to change.
0: Well, I think you're, it's fair to be pissed off. And I know if anyone (laughs) who's listening, you know, knows me or you now at this point through your work and. It's, um, it's kind of criminal. And, and let's mm-hmm. just be very transparent here. Last night, I had some amazing Van Leeuwen ice cream. It was oh, like, I love vanilla. it. It was like vanilla with honeycomb. And I had some bites and it was just delightful. And that was amazing. So and I, I'm flexible in my life where I had a birthday party last night for a friend and I indulged and it was so good. But the point is, is that Um, So you're talking about two things here, the launch of gratified and the, the, the product and how much it costs to make something of high integrity, right? Mm -hmm. So that it's convenient and actually good for the body for blood sugar. And you use ingredients like, you know, cacao powder and like coconut oil and like coconut sugar, you, you don't mess around with ingredients. Like you're not compromising, you know, the quality of the product. Yeah. because you want to make an extra 90 cents per bar. Like you, right. you're doing that. And that's what makes your product great. And so shout out to, to your work. And I hope, again, oh, we're going to put all your information in the show notes and make sure people know where to get it online and in stores. But but then it's also this idea of like, why should we have to keep compromising, especially small business owners like yourself, you know, when you have these big companies out there just using a, a crappier product um, and, and making more money. And so the margin is basically like, we're going to give you a less... Um, a less healthy product because we want to make a dollar more on each bar because we're going to give you the least like you know valuable ingredients for your body. So right. I think it's worth being pissed off um, at. And I I don't even own a business that it affect me that way. I just I spent a decade helping people, so I got pissed off in that way. Yeah. So now as a business owner, you have like an extra another layer, and as a mother too, another layer of frustration that the industry really just favors profit over over health. So right, hear you hear you on that um, what advice do you have for, for moms out there who are trying really hard to feed their kids well? Um, and it's also overwhelming for them.
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny because when I was health coaching before becoming a mom, um, and for people listening, my son will be one, um, in a few days. So I don't have a lot of experience on the feeding him side of things, but I was health coaching a lot of moms and a lot of busy moms. Every, every mom is busy, but you know, especially working moms and stuff. And I couldn't ever get it. You know, I would, I would give these mothers ideas um, to either like cook or bake these things. And they would always complain about time scarcity. Um, and to me, you know, I'm sitting on my high horse being like, well, you make time for things you prioritize, you know? And, mm-hmm. uh, and so um once I became a mom, I was like, I get this now. I completely understand. I think that there's just so much to juggle. Um, even just raising a child and running a household, you know, throw on a a job on top of that and socializing and relationships and, and it gets to be very burdensome. Um, but I think my best advice would be to just do the best you can and feel good about that in any given day that you can have these overarching goals of, um, meal prep and grocery shopping and, um, you know, getting a handle on it that way. But some days things are going to go up in flames and it's going to unfold in very unexpected ways. And you're not always going to have the time, um, to be able to, stay with those goals that you had in mind. And so, you know, I think luckily now in our society, there are brands, um, like mine and other ones out there that do really merge the world of health and convenience. Um, you know, and, and there are a lot of moms that care less about healthy food, um, and they just need to get something on the plate. Um, and I think that that's completely okay. I think if, You know, wanting to eat healthier for you and your family is something that um, resonates with you. Then just start slowly and start educating yourself on what that can even mean. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I do think that there are a lot of long held beliefs out there that need to be unlearned in this arena. That um, yes, healthier eating can be more expensive, but it doesn't have to be. It can yeah. be more time consuming, but it doesn't have to be. Like I think that. It depends on how drastic the change is, because I think whenever we undergo a big change, it's just going to take a little bit more brain power and preparation. And then once you get into a good rhythm with it, it just gets easier day by day, meal by meal, um, habit by habit. So um, I think my biggest advice would just to be like, give yourself some compassion and get really present with it without overwhelming yourself with that. Analysis paralysis, if you will.
0: Yeah, I love that advice. I think it's really, uh, it really resonates and it's also very um, approachable and doable. Um, I think that there's so much worry and anxiety about food, which again, I understand because I spent a lot of time in that field too. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I find too, like, and we've talked about this probably in, in your podcast and our conversations, is like, I get just as much nourishment sometimes from just having friends over for dinner, going for long walks, putting my phone down for hours at a time than I do from having like the most perfect meal for my blood sugar. Like they're all really nice, but there's so many ways to to nourish the body. And I know you know a lot about that. So uh, I think moms in particular, and women need to understand that, that you can out from the obsessive culture of food sometimes, you know,
1: absolutely. And letting go of this idea of perfectionism and, you know, to your point, I've done a lot of research on kind of the emotional experience and how that plays in the eating process. And, you know, same as you just last night, we went over to a friend's house for dinner and, um, my friend, she's from Maine and supposedly me makes this like mean lobster roll. Um, and so I was really excited to go over to their house for dinner because she was making them. And, you know, it was lobster meat in mayonnaise on a white roll. And I sat there in pure joy and was like, I'm having it. When you think about the experience, if there's not nutritious, quote unquote, food on your plate, if you zoom out a little bit and you focus on kind of the experience of yeah. what you're having, you yeah. know, science shows that when we eat in a um, more emotionally positive way, we metabolize better, we digest better physiologically than if we Mm -hmm. were to sit there and be like, oh my God, I'm eating white bread, you know? And like your whole body digestion metabolism slows down because you're putting yourself under a state of stress. So Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, where the dieting culture exists, if there can make one change, if even if something isn't necessarily nutritious, would be to just go into that experience with a little bit more calm and mindfulness.
0: Yeah. And, and appreciation for the environment. Like that's absolutely here. We're products of our environment. And, um, you know, we, we I'm going to remember eating ice cream on my living room floor with my two girlfriends last night and just yeah. having a good time more than anything else. And I think, you know, and it, it's funny, I feel like I always have to apologize because the first two or three years of my career, I don't know how intense I was, but I must've convinced the whole world around me that <laughs> there were certain things that were evil because I still have people who come up to me and say, man, at least I had a Snickers bar and I thought about you and I'm so sorry. And I'm like, just let just eat the thing. So it took me a couple of years to unwind from my fanaticism about, uh, yeah. about it. And, and it's okay. It's part of the pendulum swing of like, you know, interest Absolutely. and passion and wanting to change the world and then learning how to unwind that. And that's, that's the unlearning process for each of us in our careers, but, um, passion can do that to you. But, uh, I, I think it's so funny. So, um, I want to talk a little bit about, can you tell the audience, I mean, we've, we've talked about, we've danced around the topic of, of gratified and that's your mm-hmm. you know natural food company. And I'd love for you to just share again, the inspiration and the products you offer, you know, I mean, again, they'll be in the show notes and I'll be posting them on Instagram too, but I just love for you to kind of like take the mic and tell us about gratified and how it came to be.
1: Yeah. Well that um, I'll try and keep it as, as the short version. Um, but You know, it's funny because when we were talking before we were recording, um, I always think about you and following your breadcrumbs. I love that kind of mantra that you have. And um, I was a couple of years ago on this panel of female entrepreneurs and and the title of the panel was Women Who Pivot. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was basically the poster child for the pivot. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I sat with that word a little bit because I don't even really think about My path and how I landed in this role as I am today as a pivot, um, I kind of thinking, I think about it as this like natural evolutionary unfolding. I think that Mm -hmm. everything, and I know that a lot of people could probably say the same. I think that no matter how many positions you have, um, you always learn something or you pick up skills that kind of you can bring with you to your next endeavor. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, to answer your question about Gratified, I was I was coaching for well, even before that, my first stint into entrepreneurial was, um, entrepreneurship was I started a bar studio um, with one of my best friends, and um, I think that that gave me a lot of confidence to end up going out into the world to really be an entrepreneur on my own. When I parted ways with that business, because I just learned a lot about business, I learned a lot about. Um, client acquisition and marketing and things like that. So that when I started to build my health coaching business, um, I brought a lot of that confidence with me. And I, I was like a solopreneur, if you will, in that endeavor Mm -hmm. for a few years. Um, then I ended up getting a cookbook deal, um, a few years ago, and it was always my dream to write a cookbook. Um, and, I loved that process. I loved everything about it, except for the fact that the deadline schedule was very short and it was very stressful. But coming out of that experience, I thought to myself, well, I really love working with food. Um, And even though I loved coaching people and I still coach today, um, it was a little bit more draining for me because I feel like I'm a highly sensitive person, I'm an empath, and I would you know, come home at the end of the day, having coached however many clients and just feel very heavy um, Mm. and lethargic. I think I was just taking on a lot of, of that energy. Um, And so when I was writing my cookbook and it was just me in my kitchen with my apron and, you know, my baked goods, I was like, Mm. this is amazing. Um, And I, and recipe creation and food photography is still something to this day that lights me up more than anything else in this world. Um, So cool. Yeah. And so, um, so I when I ended up finishing that process and the cookbook was published, um, I had to kind of take a step back and and say, "What's next?" And I remember feeling very lost um, because I didn't feel like I wanted to go back to coaching full time. Um, I was very drained from that process of, you know, just the publishing world, and so I knew I needed to take a break from that, but, um, you know, so, my husband and I, this was like the turn into 2019. And my husband and I were kind of talking about next steps. And, and he brought to my attention, like, you have this grain-free nutrition bar that you created that people love of who I had shared it with. Um, I think you should do a product. And he's very entrepreneur mind, mind minded. He's um, a lawyer by trade, but he's always had that mindset. Um, and he's a creative as well. So um, he was like, I'll help you. And he, And so at first, since I had been in the natural foods world, working for another company years prior, um, I was kind of bringing those stories and that experience into this one. And it had been a very negative one for me. And so it was like, hell no, like, I don't want to go into the natural foods world. It is, um, it's very stressful. It takes a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of boots on the ground. Um, and After some convincing, I had to kind of let go of the way that I had always done things in the past and go about this one a little bit differently. I feel like whenever I started an endeavor, I started it pretty tightly wound, um, kind of wanting to predict the future, so to speak, and have everything in place and perfect and kind of um, with certainty before I would even dip my toe in the water. Yeah. So for this experience, I decided to sort of, um, let go of those tendencies and those patterns and just say, you know what, I'm just going to see what happens. I'm going to kind of like let go and surrender and see, um, if things start to get into motion and they did, and it sort of started to like fall into place. And, um, I remember the first time I ever sold one of our bars, it was me just talking into my Instagram stories, asking people if they wanted to buy them and if they did to just Venmo me, which is the exact opposite of what other companies do, you know, they like pour a lot of like resources into these big launches. And, um, so things just started to kind of unfold and fall into place and, um, and, you know, ended up kind of like building a team and launching some more products from there. And um,
0: and we're still trucking.
1: (laughs) It's not exactly the same, but
0: um, it's been interesting. I appreciate knowing the backstory of it because, you know, um, I can understand the hesitancy you know, to be in the health world of so many different realms. You know, you could be a cookbook author, you could be a coach, you could be a speaker, you could be a coach's coach. You know, you could um, create a product, and creating a product is no light feat. <laughs> like, I, I mean, you know it. I don't know it, but I just remember mm-hmm. thinking, man, like making my own snacks in my kitchen. I felt like that was that was laborious and yeah. yet joyful and like fun. And I love the feelings when people would try things. But you know, I always respected the those who decided to, you know, like you said, put boots on the ground and get things done. So. Um, I'm curious. Uh, like, are you are you happy? Are you mm-hmm. are you grateful for this leap of faith that you just really loosened your grip and you said, "I'm going to try this. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I'm going to try it." Are you happy you've done it? And what do you think is next for Gratified? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, Lisa, you're asking me on a good day because <laughs> 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 I would say yes, absolutely. Um, there were times in the past year, so right after i had my son and um you know we the business as it is today is not the business that it has been um back in march we had to make some very difficult decisions to close down some aspects of the business that were completely draining resources from all different perspectives um and there were some very dark days in the past year where i was just ready to kind of shut everything down because you know, no one ever tells you this. I know that having a child changes you, but I mean, it completely shifted my priorities. Um, and here I was like seven, eight months pregnant, trying to get my future son into daycare thinking like, Oh, I'll just send him off for eight hours. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that huge disclaimer there. Um, And I know that a lot of people out there don't have the flexibility to kind of change their minds in that way, but I did. And so, um, I was also, the business was kind of in a, in a state where, um, it wasn't sustainable doing things that we were the way that we were doing them, because as I had mentioned, my ideals and values had me very tethered to a certain way of doing it. Um, Mm -hmm. that wasn't healthy for the business overall for the long run. Um, And so there would have been a lot of days where I would have answered that question, no, Um, where I would have regretted having gone down this path. Um, But it's like I I say, I think that this business has been one of my biggest teachers um, in not only business, but in myself and the growth that needs to occur in order for me to run it as it is today and be the entrepreneur that I am and the way that I even handle stress. Like I think in the beginning, you know, the way that I handled stress was to have a tantrum on my kitchen floor. And now it's to take a really Uh deep breath and close my eyes and realize that this is just a fleeting moment. Um, it, it can be challenging though, because, you know, there are very high highs and there are very low lows. And so you have to be okay with both sides of that spectrum. And then some days that are just kind of monotonous, um, yeah. mm-hmm. and a little bit more boring and knowing that that's life though. And so I think that it's almost been this like microcosm for me, um, to kind of help propel me into how do I want to show up in this world? And, um, and, and this is just where I'm meant to be right now. And I always have to come back to that belief, even on those days where I'm like, I regret this, but I know (laughs) deep down that I don't, you know, because I always come back to that.
0: Yeah. That's a beautiful insight there. Um, I I think a lot of people do realize is talked about a lot to many different centuries of life through many different voices is that the the spiritual evolution that you can have when running a business of any kind um (laughs) if you're really linked to it of course it could be separate some people are very good at kind of like shutting down shutting off and Mm -hmm. maybe compartmentalizing is the word but i find that if you're going to start your own thing whether it be coaching or a product or um, anything in the world it really really exposes is, you know, the things that are triggers for you or traits or flaws that you're trying to really unlearn and rework. And I, I can think of besides maybe a romantic relationship, I could think of very few things on the planet that really challenge you to evolve as much as your business or your career. I think that they're so tightly wound to our identity and our sense of self and fulfillment. So it makes perfect sense that some days you're like, bye, this is really difficult. And this is not what I signed up for. And other days it's like,
1: Oh, that yeah. I didn't.
0: I needed to know. You know.
1: Yeah, and especially when you're running this business with your husband, yeah. <laughs> that is, that brings in a whole other layer yeah. of complexity. Um, that you know has just, it's it's been, again, it, there's very challenging days, but there's also days where we're you know fist pumping and giving high fives and jumping up and down. So, um, it's just knowing to expect both sides of it.
0: Yeah. Can you tell us about, um, where is Gratify? Where can people find it?
1: Yeah. Um, so we are mostly online right now, just gratified.com. Um, when we had our full breadth of products. So we had these, um, grain-free, uh, nutrition bars and we're working on bringing them back. We just had to kind of pause production, but we were kind of in Whole Foods and a hundred different retailers around the country. And, and all Love of it. that business came to a halt um, mm. back in March when we had to shut that down. But again, working on bringing it back, but I think online is the best place to check com, and, and we ship all over the country. So, um, so that's fun to be able to kind of tap into our audience that way.
0: So cool. Um, I'd like to know a little bit about, um, you know, what's next for, what are some of the things that you're looking to dive into next to yeah. to, unlearn, to kind of like bite into, whether it be career, personal evolution, um, just things you're wrestling with these days, like, mm. you know, what are you looking forward to, um, to tackling? Mm.
1: You know, I, I feel as if I think about this almost every day and I, um, I always have this vision of myself and I call it kind of like my higher self, if you will. And, um, and I would love your thought on this because I just like, even though I feel as if I'm getting a little bit closer, I never feel where I've attained that feeling of what I want to feel in my day. Um, I'm trying to learn how to move through my day and my life, if you will, with a little bit more ease um, and a little bit more permission and some more Mm -hmm. like cool, calm collectedness um, instead of this tightly wound ball of anxiety that I feel like lives in my chest.
0: Sarah, <laughs> oh, You're not the only one my friend. Sorry.
1: I know. Um, and you know, I think I have these stories where I'm like, well, if this wasn't in my life or, you know, this wasn't part of my experience, it's like, that's not necessarily true. There can always be these external circumstances, but I think for me, it's all about the inner work. Um, And so I think what gets me really excited and, and out of bed these days is, you know, kind of just this like social experiment, if you will, of creating more days of flow and, um, what I call like ideal days of incorporating those things that really do light me up, and because, you know, I have those days and I look back and I'm like, I can't every day feel like that. And it's not even about what I did. It's just how I felt. I always stay very attached to a feeling and not necessarily what the doing is. Um, mm. And just, you know, I'm still new in motherhood and, um, and learning every day with that and just trying to um, not feel so attached to this idea of what I think that that should be like but also like, what does motherhood and, and running a business and, and self-care and being the best human that I can be look and feel like on any given day. Yeah. So, um, kind of getting back to myself, if you will, after a year of, you know, I think as a mom, you, you always feel as if you're sacrificing, but I just, it's very important to me to create that balance. I'm, I'm not someone who I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to completely give up myself, um, in order to serve that role so
0: i really appreciate that about you and i love how you said sort of a social um experiment of like following the feeling versus the doing i think that's a really profound way of saying it and it's a nicer way to kind of say flow state which it can feel unattainable and can feel like how do you get in those zones um i think paying attention to the feeling not doing is a really good way to have a pulse on your your body um I'm curious if there's things that help you do that throughout the day, there's ways that you check in with yourself and kind of like, you know, if you find yourself going down the spiral of like overthinking and rumination, how, how do you bring yourself back? Yeah. You know, I, I
1: tend to, um, really go back to my, um, my mindfulness practice, um, before my son was born, I meditated every single day, um, have I'm looking at my meditation cook cushion. As we speak, I probably have sat on it about four times in the past year. Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel as if that practice before he was born, created this foundation of being able to take that out into my daily life. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was telling someone this the other day of when um, like, I had to like make this decision. I can't remember what it was, but how I was ruminating with it. And the whole day felt like this meditation because I would witness and watch my mind kind of go to these really anxious places. And, you know, even when I'm just like driving my car and I would have to be like, Sarah, you're driving your car, like feel your feet, feel your hands, just be here in this moment. And when okay. it comes time to make that decision, you'll be able to make it, but it's not going to be now. Or like mm-hmm. when I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm kind of laying in bed awake and I find myself like drafting these emails and I'm like, you're under your covers in your pajamas. You're not in front of your computer. Tomorrow morning, you'll be able to draft the email, right? So it's just like, yeah. it's always coming back to that practice, if you will, of just watching where your mind goes to these very anxious places and then just being, bringing it back to the present moment of what is actually real and true. And then mm. having the confidence and the trust in yourself that you're going to be able to navigate and handle when the time comes and to meet the experience that way.
0: It is truly what you're talking about, like a form of what I call mental fitness, you know, mm. like it's like thinking about, actually, there's a great company called COA, C-O-A, and they do a lot of like therapy and they do a lot of like mental fitness for, for companies. And so they mm-hmm. have this like, concept called like a, um, um, uh, what do they call it? Like a mental push up, you know, every so oh, time you bring yourself back to your feet in the car, like when you're spiraling, which again, I do all the time. It's funny, I think people think I'm like super zen. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I work on it, but like you should see me when I'm like crying on the corner in the corner and <laughs> like having my moments <laughs> of tantrum. Um, anyway, I, I've come to see that as a, as a really good space of expression and spiritual enlightenment when I give yeah. myself time to have a tantrum. But this idea of mental fitness is important. I think it's really, really important for, for mothers, for entrepreneurs, for all humans but particularly for people who are in the space of of service, again, of of a child, of, of, um, of clients, of patients, you know, is that we, we have to, as practitioners of any kind, um, we have to really prepare our minds and bodies to like show up as best we can to, for those people. I think that's a huge driver for me and it always has been. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I love that that's top of mind for you. And it's something that is truly something you're just, you know, you're human with, but you're not willing to negotiate yourself with. And I think that's, Going to continue to serve you really well. Um, mm-hmm. I'm excited to see how that goes for you. Thank you. I have, I have a couple more questions before we get into rapid fire, which yeah. is sort of a fun way to um, close up our, our podcast. Um, you you did speak on this just now, this idea of what you're kind of wrestling with and unlearning. But um, I'd love to know if there's any one particular construct belief habit way of being that you really struggle to unlearn that you mm-hmm. really have a heart, like, you know, you want to get to the other side of this, mm-hmm. but man, you, it's hard to cross that bridge. Is there anything yeah. that comes up there? Absolutely. I think it's how I deal with conflict.
1: Um, and I even thought about it this morning when my husband and I got into a little small kerfuffle and, um, mm-hmm and it's my natural tendency and habit and pattern to um be very avoidant and to kind of leave the room so to speak um and you know i i do a lot of work in this area especially on the mindfulness side and i tend to um i've gotten very good about a, uh, witnessing when something like that occurs of what's going on in my body physically. Um, And I think for a while, I didn't really realize what was happening when the discomfort that would arise in my physical body, I feel it very much in my belly and in my chest. It would be so uncomfortable where I would just kind of want to flee the situation in order to have that calm down. Um, And so now I am learning to, kind of like stay and not be so scared of that discomfort and and what that really means for the actual situation at hand i don't know if i'm really answering your question but i think um i think for me it's uh you know i grew up in a household where there was a lot of fighting and a lot of arguing and a lot of you know slamming doors and um i'll be completely honest i slammed a door this morning and i was like you know what that is not how I want to show up. Um, That is something that I learned in childhood on how to deal with conflict. Um, And I want to try to be a little bit more composed and handle stress a little bit better. You know, I think that um, everyone deals with stress in their own way. And I don't really see it as, um, I think stress serves a purpose in our life, but I want to be able to work with it and not feel like I'm fighting against it.
0: Yeah. yeah. Stress serves a huge purpose in our life. Um, That's sort of its own podcast, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Plus one to working with stress versus against it. You know, there's so many good studies. Um, I think Kelly McGonigal, who I've spoken a lot about in my, mm-hmm. my past life health coaching speaks about that, like two things, that placebo effect. There's a reason why almost all of our medical studies, you know, double yeah. blind so they have a placebo effect to it like a placebo element to the study because uh-huh. the power of belief the power of the mind and if you believe that stress is working for you you know it's going to be uh, you're going to have a much different experience with the stressor um right. so i think that's a really good way to kind of for all of us to understand um that we can work with stress versus against it and generally that's always better for us um i'm curious how you might define unlearning if you were to think about like a way that you think of it um, mm way that you were to share it maybe with your son one day, what is it, what does it mean to unlearn anything Mm. for you? I
1: think what comes to mind is, um, really an analysis of your beliefs and Mm -hmm. what are those beliefs that are serving you? And what are those beliefs that are not serving you anymore Mm -hmm. at one point, right. Um, in your life, a belief might have served you, when it doesn't in your current, current circumstance. So I think it's continuously kind of checking in with yourself. um, If there are things in your life that you want to change, and then what are those beliefs that are preventing change? And what are those that you need to adopt in order to progress? Um, So for me, it's just kind of like a reanalysis, a constant reanalysis of your belief system and your thoughts, quite frankly. And, um, feeling empowered enough to be able to realize that you have complete control over changing and shifting and thinking in new ways um, should you want to
0: I love that um, we're gonna get into a rapid fire okay and these are be questions that you know you're one of my first guests I get to do rapid fire with so you're you're gonna roll with today with me all right um, sounds good let, let's uh some of these questions are short. Some of these questions you might want to go on. Um, let's see if we can keep it to tweetables. This will okay. be really fun. For okay. us. I'm going to count on you. Um, all right. All right. So, vanilla or chocolate? Chocolate. You're like, duh. <laughs> <laughs> Last song you listened to?
1: Oh, man. I was making my bar playlist. Um, so I think it was like an Alesso, um, like one of those, like longer extended mix to play in my bar class. Cool. It was an Alesso One Republic. Um, yeah. Making my bar playlist at the same time of my workout Republic, one of those remixes.
0: Cool. Um, most recent moment of all. Mm.
1: Anytime I watch my son, um. Kind of looking at the world through his eyes like the other night when we were sitting on our front porch and he just started to notice fireflies for the first time it was mm-hmm. like you get to kind of re-experience it um yeah. in a in a more awesome way if
0: you will um mm-hmm. so yeah um mountains or ocean ocean uh, favorite fruit fruit mm-hmm. um Bananas. Advice to young mothers. Hmm. Um,
1: Patience, compassion, and grace are necessary ingredients for every day.
0: One word to describe entrepreneurship. Rewarding. Thank you, Sarah, for coming on School of Unlearning. I'm so excited for your evolution. I can't wait to see what's next. I can't wait to eat all your food, and I oh, will put yes. that in show notes and thank you. Profiles. Have
1: to get you some more. We're about to launch our Empower Bar baking mix, um, so I need to send you some and our new granola pouch. Um, and yeah, I'll get a nice little care package out for you.
0: Appreciate that, Sarah. Um, mm-hmm. Have a great one. We'll talk soon. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Alisa. Hey, friends. Thanks for listening to the School of Unlearning podcast. You can follow us on Spotify and iTunes. Be sure to check out the show notes, complete with links and insight you won't want to miss. If you enjoyed this episode, take one minute to rate, review and share this podcast because our learning and unlearning never ends and we don't have to do it alone.